Welcome to Real Money Talks, how to make money, manage money, and invest money. Your Real Money Talks host, Laurel Langmire, gets straight to the point about what it actually takes to make money and build lasting wealth in today's changing economic climate. If you're ready to get the financial results you've always dreamed of, keep listening. Real Money Talks is the right place for you. And now here's your host, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel, and you're at Laurel's Real Money Talks podcast. And uh, I'm here with Weldon Wolstein. He's my CFO, brilliant CPA and tax strategist. And today we're going to talk about several things, primarily the difference between trusts and then family limited partnerships. A lot of times people think they're similar, have similar use, and they're actually very different entities. So Weldon, welcome. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. So let's talk about, uh, let's start with trust. So what are the different kinds of trust? And probably even before that is when in someone's life should they start considering getting a trust and getting this piece of their life organized? Well, they should actually start there. Well, let's, let's go back a little bit because there's kind of two different trusts I want to talk about today. There are multiple different ones, but the main ones you've got that everybody kind of is used to is you've got a living trust and then maybe it's an asset protection trust. So everybody, when they say, I'm going to set up a trust, they're typically thinking of a living trust. And what happens with a living trust is you put all your assets into it. It doesn't really do anything until you pass away or you and your your spouse, if you're married, you pass away. At that time, then it transfers those assets down to your beneficiaries, typically your kids or your Mm -hmm. heirs. There's not really any kind of tax benefits or tax strategies. It's just the that trust is, is only designed to avoid probate. And then probate happens when you die. And if you don't have a trust, the courts kind of decide where your assets go. So this trust is designed to to force those the direction of where the assets, who gets them, how they're handled, how they're taken care of. So really, the family gets to control where their assets are going to go, even you know, if it goes to the kids or to charity versus the state deciding, which I think that's pretty critical in this whole conversation is about taking control. And so, you know, those of you listening, you need to get your family's wealth organized and controlled. So pretty much everyone needs a revocable family trust yeah, I mean, for the it, most part, it's, right? It's pretty standard. I mean, everybody should have one. You should have it as soon as you have, I mean, you start to accumulate any kind of assets or even have start to have kids. I mean, I set mine up when my first daughter was born. Mm-hmm. And I mean, because I wanted to be able to control where my assets went and, and how much they got and, and who got what, because if you don't, it's really up to an attorney and a judge to decide that. Yeah. And, you know, it's in probate. It could be some stranger come in there and say, Hey, you know, Weldon, you know, I loaned Weldon $10,000 and he owes me this. Then, you know, even if you didn't, you're going to have to go through this court process, which can take, you know, two years to go through this court process to get any kind of assets released. And so, you know, if you have assets sitting there, what happens if you have a crash on the real estate market? What happens if, if these values go down, you have no control over them because they're sitting in this court system where the living trust, I mean, you basically get to, it is pretty seamless. You set up, you know, it goes just directly to whoever you directed it in the initial setup. And so that's where you um, get that set up and you have, uh, you know, typically it's done through an attorney that, that sets mm-hmm. those up for you. And then let's talk about the asset protection sorts of trusts. Uh, what's the difference between those? So an asset protection trust and basically what you're doing is you're taking assets that you have that you want to really protect and against any kind of creditors, 
um, against any kind of um, potential lawsuits. What happens is you contribute these assets to this trust. You have specific beneficiaries set up. Typically, it goes to the kids or whatever. Um, they're, they're a lot more restrictive because you as the owner don't get to control these assets anymore. You have to assign a trustee. So you assign this trustee, and that can range from anybody's trustee services or, or somebody that is obviously besides you. And typically, we recommend not even somebody in your family. It's A lot of times, attorneys become these trustees. So they are the ones that actually control the assets. Um, they are the ones that say whether you're going to buy or sell something. They are have a fiduciary duty to protect the assets and protect this for the beneficiaries. Now, I mean, once the beneficiaries, you know, reach a certain age, or you know, there's other triggers in the, the trusts. It could be, you know, if the um, owners once they if they pass away, or it could be again a certain age, then these assets are actually transferred to the kids or to whoever the beneficiaries you, mm -hmm. you design. And if you do get sued, then at that point, they actually can't touch those the principal on the, the trust. So you're again, you're protecting them. So. so is there, what's the taxation benefits of either just a family, a revocable family living trust or the asset protection trusts? So again, with the, with the asset uh, protection trust, um, the taxation, you have a couple options. Um, typically, the trust is taxed at a, a certain rate, or you can, uh, depending on how it's written, you can transfer the, the taxation down to the beneficiaries, and then the beneficiaries pay the tax on it. Um, a lot of these asset protection trusts are, are designed and set up so that the kids or whatever, the beneficiaries don't necessarily know about them. So it's something to kind of, if you're, for lack of a better term, to hide some wealth. Mm -hmm. from, from your kids. Um, <laughs> and so then the trust would pay the, pay the tax. One of the benefits, the trust does pay a little bit higher of a tax rate, but if you're in a super high tax bracket, uh, you, you can do some income tax leveling. Um, now the living trust, the, there's no tax benefit to that. It's basically a disregarded entity until you pass away. So you're not going to save any kind of income tax during the, your life. And, the, and also if you do pass away, well, when you do pass away, um, you're not going to save any estate tax. So it's not a tax savings vehicle. It's an asset protection vehicle. Okay. Now that's kind of, that brings us to some of the, where we have the limited family partnership. Now a limited family partnership, and you can do this with an LLC as, as well. Um, you maintain control of the asset, yet you distribute the value of the asset down to the beneficiaries or down to the other members. So what you can do is you set up this limited partnership the kids have a limited interest, which means that their interest is limited to the amount of money that they contribute. So they don't have any; they have the liability protection. Now, you, as the person who contributes the funds, you have are what's considered the general member or the general partner, and you have carry the one the liability, but you also have the control of the asset. So you can still maintain the control of this asset, yet the value you're, you're gifting this value out of your estate over a time period. Um, an so there's two, so there's two frames. There's a general partnership and a limited partnership. So yep. explain. So the parents usually stay in the general partnership. Um, but this isn't just for families, right? I mean, there's a limited, well, I guess this is a family limited partnership. So the family would maintain the general and the kids get the limited role. Yeah. So it really happens uh, a lot of times when you want to transfer some real estate down to your kids, mm -hmm. it's something that you want to keep in the family. Um, it's an income producing property. You transfer this, um, let's say it's an apartment building. You transfer this apartment building into the family limited partnership. Mm -hmm. 
parents remain as a general partner, so they remain as the controlling individual. So all the management, all of the say of what happens with this, the income, everything as far as control stays with the parents. Now, over time, because you have that gifting exclusion, you can actually gift percentages to your kids. And so you can also gift it if they're married. I mean, you can you know increase that gift. So roughly $28,000 a year you can gift away and start transferring the value of the your estate out of your estate. So when you come to, when you do pass away, the value of the this limited partnership isn't in your estate anymore. You've taken and you've transferred that asset already before you pass away. Because for the estate tax, we have a limitation on how much we can deduct or we get a credit, a lifetime credit for the amount of transfer. And we want to make sure that we are not exceeding that transfer. So it's this is one mechanism to be able to give away something, yet still maintain the control. And so are you giving, when you say gifted, be a little more descriptive. So are you gifting within the partnership to, within the within the entity, or you're gifting from the GP level, right, the general partner levels down to the limited partner level? Is that the gifting? So, or is it actually going out to them individually? So basically what happens is you're going to have as the, the person who contributed, you'll have a small general partner interest, maybe a 1% interest. The rest of the interest is going to be all limited partners, partnerships. That's including you plus the kids. Mm-hmm. What you're going to do is you're actually going to gift the some of your limited partnership interest to the kids. So you, you have a value. I mean, so that's one of the things you'll have to establish a value of, these, of the asset or the company. And then you'll transfer a certain number of shares or a certain percentage to each one of the kids each year. Just to, and then it does have to be documented. You document it, you know, that this much is being transferred, goes to the kids, they report it on their income tax return, okay. and uh, it moves forward, and that's pretty simple. But it's within the entity. It is within the entity. And then is the entity held in trust? Typically, how is this? Because I think that's where a lot of the confusion and why I want to do this podcast is I think a lot of, uh, there's just, there's a structure issue uh, and question mm-hmm. that a lot of people have. So one of the things that you can do is that general partnership interest. So then that's the interest that has the liability protection or that that has all, not the protection, but it has the liability associated with it. A lot of times people will put that interest in the asset protection trust. So that interest can't go anywhere and it's also protected through that asset protection trust. Now the limited partner, the limited portion of the Mm -hmm. interest, a lot of times that is held in the living trust. And so it's, it's actually the living trust is the technical limited partner that will be transferring the monies out. Hmm. So if you had a grid, kind of uh, if the folks listening, if they were going to draw a little grid, the limited, uh, the family uh, revocable trust would be at the top. Correct. Right. And then below it would be held and owned by, would own the family limited portions of the family limited partnership. So explain that a little bit more. Those of you out listening, if you want to get a little pen and paper, and also we are going to uh, give you uh, the top 10 differences between these uh, different entities and structures. If you go to asklaurel.com forward slash podcast gifts, it will be over there in the gift section. So know that uh, it's a complicated uh, and very individual uh, conversation. There's not like one size fits all in this, but let's go to the grid and have them start laying out like what, what would be a structure. Yeah, so typically on the top of the structure, you're going to have the living trust or that that's the basically the trust that is kind of disregarded, mm-hmm. but um, set up for the estate purposes. And then um, beside that, kind of a little bit, I guess, a little bit underneath it, you would have the asset protection trust. Um, 
because sometimes you're, you're going to, the living trust might also be a beneficiary of this asset protection trust. Um, and, or then that's also, you can keep that, just keep that over on the side. But then underneath this one, the back over to the living trust, not only would you have um, like the family limited partnership would be underneath there, but also you would, you could have the, um, any kind of operating entity could be underneath there as well. Um, but let's just focusing on the family limited partnership. The limited interest portion of the family limited partnership is going to be owned by that living trust. And then the general partner ownership. So that's again the partner that the ownership that has the liability associated that is going to be owned by the asset protection trust. So that gets then that that ownership is protected underneath that asset protection trust. So when in, in someone's lifetime should they be, obviously you had mentioned with the trust, it should be once they have children or start accumulating some assets as an individual. But when would, um, like, does the family limited partnership grow? Is there a certain level of net worth or is it mainly around assets that they start setting this up? What would your advice be? So typically what I suggest to a lot of my clients is when you have, when you start to accumulate any kind of income producing asset that you want to keep. And you want to keep it in the family. And again, the, probably the most common asset like this is a rental property. Mm -hmm. So this is where it's, and it's a great mechanism to put a rental property into there. It's earning money. It's growing. You're going to have, hopefully you should be having an increase in value. And then to be able to take the benefit of that increase in value, yet not have that established in your, your estate if something does happen. Um, it's as soon as you, you purchase that. Again, honestly, a lot of people don't really start thinking about this until they're retiring or retired. And, um, you know, there's people that they retire and two days later they, they pass away. So, so, so <laughs> starting, starting this yep. now when you're younger and you're just starting to accumulate the assets is a much better idea because once it's set up, you get used to it, it's pretty seamless. And so it's a lot easier to manage. And is the taxation inside the family limited partnership, it's really proportional to the owners? It is. Okay. So basically you'll be taxed on the um, income that is flown, you know, that, that flows down to you. So obviously as the income gets bigger or, and the years go on with this limited partnership, the kids are going to get a higher, get more tax because they're going to receive, be receiving more of the income. Okay. And then another conversation I want to add into there is, uh, and I have a lot of clients who have some confusion or really bad advice that says, why do all this when you can just have insurance? So let's add the layer of insurance in here and how that uh, plays into this whole conversation. Yeah, insurance is great and can protect you, um, but it still, insurance doesn't pay for any kind of estate tax that you have that you would owe. Um, and so by doing this, I mean, having that um, ability to be able to exit the assets out of your estate um, is going to save you on the estate tax. Um, I don't think, I think insurance is a, also a good mechanism to have, but it shouldn't be the only thing you have. I mean, you've got to do everything. I mean, you've got to, you've got to do it all. You've got to, and each situation is going to be different. Sometimes where there might have to be a, a necessity for three or four different entities set up. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yes, you know, you still would need to have insurance over that. Um, but insurance is not the end all be all for, for taxation. Well, because it really doesn't do much to the taxation, no, does it, it? It doesn't. It just pays out a fee at the end when once you pass away. 
Right. So. Right. So it's cost during your lifetime. Yep. And then the other mistake that I think a lot of people make, especially um, I'm going to say older folks with real estate, because that's where I see it in my mm -hmm. seminars, is I have an insurance versus uh, a trust or a family limited partnership or even an LLC. So they'll have insurance say on a rental property, which doesn't protect the assets. So speak to that just a little bit as far as the difference between asset protection, taxation, uh, estate, and you know family wealth building. They're completely different, um, but I think they get collapsed frequently yeah so i mean you have insurance on your rental property i mean it, it's going to cover it if a tree falls on it but right. <laughs> if you have insurance on your rental property and you get sued because you didn't clean the snow off the driveway and you really should have and you have a 25 year old guy that prime of his life and cracks his head and is disabled i mean you're going to lose your property insurance is not going to cover it correct i mean so, because that's going to be way beyond any kind of insurance. So, and if that property is not in any kind of entity, you could, you might not just lose that property. You might lose every property that is also in your personal name. So that's kind of the asset protection part of this is where you take these different properties, you put them in the different vehicles where it's isolated. And so it's protecting your other assets and then, and using the you know, family partnerships, using trusts using these different entities, you kind of have to do a combination of everything because that's really where you get all the protection. You have to have as many layers as possible between each different asset and in each different, you know, for, and you personally. Mm -hmm. So the more layers you have, the better. All right. So those of you that are listening, uh, it's a complicated conversation, uh, one to lean into, not run away from. And again, when you go to asktheworld.com forward slash podcast gifts, we will have the top 10 differences between these entities. And for those of you who are qualified, give us your name, phone number, and email. Might even be able to convince Weldon to have a consultation with you. <laughs> so it's not for the babies. It's not for the beginners. What level of kind of net worth or um, strategy? I mean, Several hundred thousand, half million. You know, it really depends on um, a true one. They've got to be growing their assets. They have multiple assets, but I mean, it, it could be anywhere from two. It is yeah, a quarter million to a half a million dollars in net assets um, is typical where you see mm -hmm. them. Okay, and where they you know you can really benefit from it. So if you go to asklaurel.com, you can, again, ask uh, any question that you want. We will be uh, sourcing it to our team as uh, required, as well as you can ask for an appointment. So uh, we thank you for being here. Thank you, Weldon, for this sure. conversation today. And all of you uh, continue to uh, stay tuned at Laurel's Real Money Talks podcast. We'll be back with another conversation shortly. Thank you for joining Laurel for this segment of Real Money Talks, how to make money, manage money, and invest money. To continue this new conversation and to find free resources to support your wealth creation, visit asklaurel.com forward slash podcast gifts. That's A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L dot com forward slash podcast gifts. Thanks for listening and join us again soon. New episodes are released every week.